I'm going to shout out as many times as I can the Stanford women's basketball team, national champions. Yeah. That was a fun, uh, well, hello. Welcome to episode 254 <laughs> of Basketball, the podcast. Basketball? Uh, I don't know. I feel awkward uh, to start this podcast today because uh, my office is actually mostly cleaned out. I'm wondering how bad the echo is going to be on the microphone. Uh, months worth of work has taken root, but now I feel like it's too quiet in here, too professional, too uncluttered. Uh, yeah, we Michael, can't be too professional on this podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kind of my point, really. Uh, speaking of being too professional, Michael, big congratulations to the women's basketball team for their national championship for Stanford. Um, I would like to know, though, how you feel about them winning two games in a row on somebody else's missed shot. I mean, first off, I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think in every, in every run, just about um, to a championship for any, for really for any team, you have a win or two where you just get lucky. Um, you well, know, you there there are exceptions lucky, like right. Yeah, yeah, and and there's some of that too, right? But the, you know, there are exceptions like the the dominant Alabamas in football and the dominant UConn teams in women's basketball. Um, but yeah, a lot of times the there are wins that just come to the ba- the ball bouncing your way, uh, and it it happened twice, uh, twice in a row there in those last two games for the the Stanford women's team. Yeah, a win's a win, right? Like uh, JJ. Uh... If you if you mm-hmm. just happen to get the thirty three percent pull on your deck, right? That's what it is, man. You take it, right? Yep, yep. Oh, JJ's here. Hello, Michael's here. Hey, everybody. Speaking of balls bouncing the right way, uh, I don't know if you guys follow the Angels really, uh, but baseball is back in a in official open season, I guess, real season, main season, regular season. And uh, they swept the White Sox this past week on a walk-off three-run homer by uh, one of their, what they thought was going to be a bench player, Walsh, uh, who ended up RBIing like eight or nine runs in the series. Kind of crazy. Shohei Otani, I think you guys have heard the name once or twice around the league already. He's kind of the phenom guy. Yeah, he's famous. Yeah. Yeah. First pitcher in American in the American League in 50 years to hit a home run while starting a game at pitcher. It's impressive. 50 years. Speaks to the, I think it speaks, though, to the, the specialization of roles in baseball becoming absolutely. more and more of a thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure. It just is kind of interesting and fun to throw out stats when you're talking about baseball. Like uh, the Dodgers' amazing stat, J.J., can you mm-hmm. uh, come up with a way for me to hit a two-run homer for an out and a run? Oh, I know what this is about. I saw this. <laughs> yeah, when is, when is a home run not a home run? <laughs> this is hilarious. I was talking with my father this past weekend. We were waiting for something, and uh, he said, oh, did you see this thing that happened? And showed me this, and... People should just go see this video. This is unbelievable. It's like it is both the dumbest and the funniest thing I've seen in baseball in a really long I, time. I really love that baseball, because of just the way that it works, allows this kind of thing to happen. It just it's it. There were so many boneheaded plays watching the Angels this past week that you just have to like be like, it's early in the season. It's early in the season. Then you watch the Dodgers and you're like, it is really early in the season. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh just for people that didn't see it uh bellinger i think bellinger hit a two-run homer uh that uh, justin turner thought was caught so he ran back from third to first thinking he needed to get back and overran the guy who hit the home run uh on his way back which means <laughs> one of them is out I believe yeah. the uh, the one in back is out if you overrun yes. the front it runner. is yeah the person who uh, yeah, the person who passed the the progressing runner was out. Yeah. So uh, so I think the the guy who got a home run got a base hit, and the other guy because he went backwards was out. 
Uh, mm, as far as that, under- no, it's the other way around. If you overrun and overtake someone yeah, on the exactly. big path, yeah. and the overtaking runner is out, not the overtaken runner, I guess. Okay, I, I guess don't know. it's the yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's not it's the most ridiculous. It's not the only obscure <laughs> rule uh, that we're going to test you on this week, right, Michael? Oh yeah. So um, my you know my Atlanta Braves came close last season, and they opened up like everybody else over the weekend. And they lost their first game. I think it was the first game, um, which went into extra innings. And they got bitten by the new rule that starting in the 10th inning, your team starts with a man on second base. Yep. I don't, I'm not a big fan of this one. And yeah. So that's so, what I was hold on. Ask. Wait, what? Say it again. My brain so, couldn't process that. In extra innings, in an effort to shorten baseball games that go beyond nine innings, when you are at bat from the 10th inning on, you start with a man on second. Just there. Just there. And so you just pick the fastest guy on your roster. Yep. And try and get a base hit. Yep. A base yep. hit to the right side, and you're up a run. I don't like huge advantage for the away team. Maybe because they get the run first. Yeah. If you can score it, then it puts a lot of pressure on the home team. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Technically Uh, home is the advantage though. Right. So you get more chances to score in theory. Yeah. But the, the idea would be that if you know, the home team and the crowd and all that would make the person getting on base in the first place hard. Yeah. And so then this is a man. Wow. I, I'm sure people in baseball are super upset about this. They like change though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah not really. I just, you know, I like, I like get those games that go like 18, 19 innings until three in the morning. And there are 40 people left in the stands yeah, and that's part the of team it. decides to give them all season tickets. You know, baseball games started as a pastoral, all day event. And they the continue com- to be all day events. Yes, but the commercialization need of like, I don't know. Like we were watching the the final Angel game on Sunday, and it went late uh, after. So the first five innings went real quick because Shohei was just striking everyone out, and then, and then he got uh, hit at home plate and he got pulled out of the game as a precaution, and. Then after that, like the literal rest of the game felt very slow. And we looked at the clock and it was kind of slow. But this is the pace of the game. They've already done stuff to speed it up, right? They they mm-hmm. put clocks on pitching changes. They put clocks on this. They put uh, review control, even though they added reviews, which also makes the game longer. Yeah, it uh, slows the game down a bunch. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they've put controls on it to try and keep it from getting too out of control in terms of time. I just feel like the attention span is either there or it's not. And whether <laughs> the 10th inning is not when it matters, whether we need to speed it up or not. That's my problem with this rule, right? Like right. Yeah. Ex- extra baseball is exciting baseball. You're going to the most exciting part of the game where anyone could win at any time. And you're suddenly invested in the fact that your team is just holding on no matter who it is home or away. And we're going to, we're going to put our thumb on this part of the game to make it faster. It's like, yeah, what's the, I don't know. They've done this in college for a long time. And I guess just wait, is this really been a rule in college baseball for a long time? Um, a couple of years. Yeah. More, more than a couple of years now they tested it in college and minors for a while. Yeah. And they actually, they rolled it out in the pros last year for the shortened season. Okay, I super did not know that it had been tried other places. Yeah, and that, huh. I think I think in a, I think in the minor leagues it kind of makes sense. A lot of those guys are not paid to shell their bodies as much as they have to for as long as they have to. Uh, it's shortening right. their games, shortening their games to seven innings might be a good idea for minor league players, right? Just to to reduce the wear and tear on those players. Um. But that's the same. I that's that's a different idea than saying like, well, if it goes to eight innings, then all of a sudden we've got to put our thumb on it. I don't. I don't really like it personally. I, I entertain other arguments. Uh, I podcast. I don't know. I don't know what you do that speeds up the game as a whole. 
I think you have to accept though. that it's not tennis or football. You know what I mean? Like, I, I okay. I mean, I think the thing is right. You have to just like you have to just squeeze on the stuff that is allowed in the like quote unquote unwritten rules. I think trips to the where, mound should be removed from the game. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like let the you know managers can make signals to the pitchers or whatever, or you know when he comes out to uh, change the pitcher, but there's no other reason really to have people go up and talk. I think, but I think, I think also they need to like one, one per inning maximum or something like that. And it has to be the catcher. And I think also you don't need to let uh, batters be able to step out of the box and do check swings and it, that kind of stuff probably isn't needed. Right. If you're in the box, you're in the box play, you know? Yeah. There's a momentum and a rhythm to kind of in a bat and, um, Sometimes, as you know, having played it, it's kind of like you feel like sometimes you need that that rhythm to keep yourself in the game. But maybe, maybe that's part of it. Sure. I mean, you know, I whatever. I'm sure these men are professionals, uh, and they will figure out what needs to be done to win. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I agree. I'm not sure how I feel about adding a random runner in the tenth. Well, sorry it's you lost that game for that, Michael. Yeah, so it goes, I guess. Uh, but I mean, you, at least you didn't get home run taken away and get an out yeah, instead. Yeah. It, it does get worse. <laughs> it could, it could be worse. Did uh, did Disneyland make you feel better? It did, it did. You know, it was good to be. It was good to be back in in a somewhat opened park. I guess. Um, uh, it was it was a little bit weird. Um, I think so. Uh, to set it up, we went to. Uh, Disney's version of the food festivals that we have been going to uh, repeatedly at Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, they finally got their act together to hold their own. And they set the whole thing inside their California Adventure Park, which they had um, almost fully opened up. Um, the new Avengers campus is still closed, um, which was expected. Um, but the rest of the park um, you know, other than rides was, was sort of reopened. Um, some of the stores were open, but not all of them, uh, ditto for like some of the arcade games out on the pier, uh, in the Pixar, in Pixar pier. Uh, but the big draw was that most of the restaurants were open, including some of the booths that they use for their regular food festivals and were Ooh. serving all kinds of different small plates. Oh, cool. Like kind of a greatest hits thing to try and get people jazzed up that Disney's open again. Yeah, so some of it was um, some of it was festival food, so the things that you would find at their food and wine festival, for instance. Sure, sure. And then some of it were things like the um, uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup that they do over in Disneyland, um, or the uh, croque monsieur that you can get from Carnation Cafe, I think. Um, so things that are, are, are popular favorites with people. Yeah. So it was good. Um, the food was good. The overall experience was a little bit weird. I think Knott's did a better job than Disney in terms of making you feel like we're back. Um, Knott's in addition to all of the food, all of their shops were open and they had more apologies. That's that's how Michael died. Yep. Um, Did you get hit with one of the earthquakes? <laughs> it was a minor one. Everything's fine. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, they uh, um, Disney had less in the way of like live entertainments going. So knots even even with the the limitations, they still had some of their performers out just distanced more distance than they normally are from the crowd and Disney didn't have any of that. It was more like they took the food festival and just used California Adventure as the setting without really any of the trappings of it actually being Disney. I mean, it's the trapping of you being in Disneyland, not the trapping of Disney. I've, just because they don't have the sure, performers. Sure, but there's, you know, there's there's something about, like, 
the ambiance of being at Disney when it is Disney. So there, you know, characters walking around and all of a sudden you turn the corner and there's a parade. Um, and this was, this was just, it was them serving food with a Disney soundtrack playing. Yeah. So not, I mean, they, not that it wasn't good to be back in the parks cause it definitely sure. was, but it also, it, in some ways it almost made you miss the parks more. Oh, weird. Okay. Disney also, though, I imagine, has a bit more stringent hiring process. I think their workforce is a little bit, certainly probably more people than knots. And so it's probably not as easy for them since I know they laid off a ton of people before, right? Yep. And it's a probably not a catastrophic amount of people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not as easy for them to spin back up the old hiring machine and, and get, you know, full park staff back ready to go. Right. Not that they can open to full capacity anyway, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, oh, do everything. That. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit of a bummer. I assume the food was still as good as it normally would be. Yes. The yeah. the food and drink was very good. But, um, you know, maybe the, um, maybe the feeling will return, you know, I think. Yeah. They seem to be extremely cautious in their desire to open up and have been this entire time and seem to continue to be take it one iota at a time right like removing the pass holders alone was i think a step in their minds of monumental proportion and they i think they're just baby stepping it at this point yeah i think they're they're also much more leery than some other places about there being a you know a spike in cases caused by people coming to Disney. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be the one, right? If yeah, especially if Disney, Disney is Disney is deathly afraid of an event being traced back to them, and then them having to get shut down for cleaning or whatever, you know, to reopen under the guidelines. Or like even worse, if the state you know regresses back tiers or whatever, and then they have to close Disney completely. Yeah, like they absolutely don't want that. You would think more businesses would act like that, yet that's not true. <laughs> well, you know, can you afford to if you're, I don't know, this is kind of like not our forte, but is are we a forte or a fort crowd on this podcast? Well, so fort is a thing you can build out of boxes, <laughs> and forte is a strong suit. I, I hate to disappoint you, bud, but apparently... Uh, we were not taught that it could be either. Yeah. I think I usually, I know that it can be pronounced fort, but I think I usually only say it that way when I am being pretend pretentious. I feel like it's an American colloquialism to say forte and that if you say fort, people will be like, I think I know what you're trying to say, but what do you, what do you, what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's a... That's a non-standard pronunciation that is technically correct, but no one says that. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that. I don't think I can't think of a single time in person I've ever heard a person say it that way. It's always been forte. And then obviously you see it in print and you don't know, you know, you just read it. Yeah. Oh, my new forte. For, I can't even joke say it. <laughs> I know. It's too. <laughs> My new forte <laughs> is uh, I, I, I have to know some stuff because I think I might have a new favorite character in Smash Ultimate. Uh, and I don't know anything about her, hers, them, her. I, Okay, so Smash releases new characters once in a while, obviously, uh, in these, like, fighter packs. I think there are... Well, I know there are. I don't think there are. There are currently 81 characters in the game, uh, of which I have now finished classic mode for all of them. That was my project this week. I decided I was just going to do it. There were maybe, like, 20-something left, most of them being new, newer fighters. Uh... The most recent release is Pyra and Mithra. Mm. Yep. They're one fighter. Mm -hmm. 
and you be down and she changes between Pyra or Mithra. Pyra uh, has fire effects around all of her abilities and she hits crazy hard. But she her movement is terrible and she can't jump worth a rag and uh, she doesn't have much reach she has like one ability that reaches a little bit she kind of throws her sword forward and it spins around and comes back to her but if you switch to mithra boy you move fast and she has this uh slashing attack that she can do on her b forward that'll take you halfway across the map you can actually kind of push people off the stage with it and then uh meteor smash them down (laughs) that's kind of funny um or you can you know, jump back and switch back to Pyra and wait for them to come back and smack them really hard with a whirling attack. First of all, I come from, I really like, uh, we talked about Lucina last week. So I, I like that sh- they both have swords. I apparently uh, only like sword people in, <laughs> in Smash. <laughs> so you're a sword guy. I'm a sword guy. You know, my forte is that I'm a sword guy. Got it. Uh What's the deal with these two? I, why are they one character? Tell me something about Py- Pyra and Mithra so that I don't feel like a complete poser. I mean, so this is not just a Xenoblade question. This is a Xenoblade 2 question. Yes. These characters are from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and they are not in the first game. Oh, okay. Uh, fine. Um, Let's see. What do we want to talk? The, is the boy in it at all? No, no, it's probably. just Pyra and Myth. Well, I mean Shulk. You mean Shulk? No. Okay. So that's Xenoblade One. Okay, Shulk, right. Shulk is also in there. I don't quite understand Shulk. Uh, you hold B, and he can choose from like shield or speed or jump or smash. I think it powers up that move for him for a few seconds. Uh, it's very confusing. Shulk supposedly is good. I'm trying to figure out which characters are good, but Pyra and Mithra uh, have landed near the top of the heap immediately upon release. I mean, new character is new, so therefore no one knows their moves, and they're easy to win with if you can beat people. Yeah, maybe. they don't know what you can do. Maybe. That's a fighting game thing. Okay. The new characters are typically considered very good on release. But that could just be because they've made them good so people will buy them, which is also a thing. That's possible. Anyway. uh, There's 81 characters. I can't remember what half of them do. (laughs) I mean, that's going to be a problem for you in your competitive games against the CPU. Yes, clearly I I spent the last month leveling all my spirits to 99 and giving all my legendary spirits all the dojos. We need Ryan on this podcast because then he'd understand how crazy that is. And how worthless and how non-competitive. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it's a big waste of time, my man. You could be playing other games. I should be playing other games, but it made me feel accomplished because I could do it in bed after working on this office. Uh, okay. But anyway, look, look tell me so tell I'm trying me to, something. I'm trying to find, it. Michael, how do you explain what Pyra and Mithra are? Oh, so that's that's basically all you. I have not started the second one yet. Oh, okay. wait, you haven't played it? Oh, okay. No. Okay, no, I have so, I just haven't I haven't broken it open. Okay, so oh, you know what? Uh, do it so in actually, a non-spoiler way then. I I can't. The the fact That's that this game good. even has Mithra in it is a spoiler. Mithra is a spoiler. Oh. <laughs> so I was I mean, I don't know. The game is several years old, I guess at this point. Um Mithra is a spoiler. I like I that. mean, it, so when the game so in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you play as a boy named Rex. Who's apparently not in Smash? No, Rex. Rex has. Um, you have blue pants. Well, so Rex has a what they call a spirit. So it's like the old trophy system from the original Smash games. I don't know if you guys remember those. Yeah. Where you collected the like token trophies for your little table. Um, this is this this is the new version of that system with spirits, and uh, Rex has. What is his new one? When they released Pyramithra, you could get Overdrive, Mega Drive, something Drive Rex uh, with it. Okay. But you can't anyway, play he, as him. You can equip him, but you can't play he, as him. He is the main character of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Okay. Uh, although, I mean, you can make arguments that Pyra slash Mithra 
is as well. Awesome. Okay. Uh, but it, I don't know that I want to explain explicitly what they are because there's too many spoilers, so, huh? too many spoilers involved, but it, certainly along your journeys, you meet Pyra okay. and she sort of becomes a follower of Rex, but is, is a blade, not like blade sword, but blade is a thing in that game. And Rex is the driver. Ah, that's what it's called. Mega Overdriver, Mega Driver, Rex. I mean, it could be Overdrive, but there's a, I think that's a a mode or something. Anyway, drivers are people who have these like almost summons or like, I don't want to use the word pet, but they kind of are pet-like. Anyway, the, the, the blades that the drivers control uh, are basically the way you get your special moves in that game. Huh. So Rex himself, just like in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you just run forward, and if Rex is standing next to an enemy, he just starts swinging his sword and hitting him for basic like auto-attacking type damage. Then, once you have done that to a certain amount, a gauge is filled, and you now have access to more abilities. Those abilities depend on which blade you have equipped. So Pyra has a bunch of fire-based abilities, as I'm sure you have already discovered. Uh, she has a lot of fire, yeah. Uh-huh. That's her thing. She's fire-based, fire Mithra, element. Mithra is green stuff. Yeah. So at some point in the story, Mithra shows up, uh, and she and Pyra are like... They're related. Okay. They are... They're not ever uh, in the same place at the same time, but I don't think that they are the same person. Interesting. Interesting. I have okay. to go back, and I don't remember. <laughs> That's weird. It's uh, it's odd. It's it's not many ways that it's you can get a character with... that switches out. I mean, she, you know, uh, in original Smash, uh, Sheik and and Zelda could switch between the two, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yes. They took that out of the game. Zelda and Sheik are separate characters now. So it was weird going back to a character that could switch. Um, there's definitely characters that can stop and switch like their abilities and stuff. Like I was describing with Shulk, he can kind of do that. Um, some of the characters like Hero can cast magic uh, if they couldn't kind of stop for a second. Um, but just like fully switching into a second character... Uh, had kind of been removed, basically, from the game. Yeah. So they're like, you know, um, it's related to the fact that, like, she's related to this sword, and this sword has modes, and there's a bunch of, oh, I don't okay. remember. Anyway, yeah. whatever. It's okay. So, so let's fancy about, stuff, anyway. But tell me, the, tell me, why does Shulk's sword hit stuff and then open up and shoot a laser beam? Are we talking about Shulk now? Yeah. The Monado. Yeah, the Monado. So uh, I hit stuff. And then so I'll like smash it and it'll do a little bit of damage and kind of stun them. And then all of a sudden a laser beam shows up and does a lot of damage. So when you say a laser beam, does sure. it like go all the way across the stage or does it just stick out from the end of the sword like a longer laser looking sword? Like a laser sword. Yeah. So the sword, his sword does that in the game. Gotcha. That is a thing that happens like okay. as he gets better at using the Monado cool. and, and in in that in that game now Xenoblade 1 and those like modes where speed and armor and those sorts of things are like abilities that sword has in in the game I also finally got the chance to play as uh, the new Sephiroth character that they added who seems kind of slow uh, his sword is really long his sword is crazy long and it seems like when he takes damage, he does more damage because uh, his little wing pops out when he's over 100%. And all of a sudden, my I was killing people really quick. So I haven't watched guides. I, I have a new goal of like picking two more characters. I'm definitely on board with switching from Marth to Lucina. And I want to learn two characters now that I've finished the game pretty much to uh, try and do some online. I actually have never played online. <laughs> I'm going to get crushed. Uh, I'm going to get wrecked. There's no chance I will be good at this, but I kind of am curious what's good out there. So I tried to play all the characters. Speaking of Final Fantasy, 
Sakaguchi's got a new game. The yeah. guy who hasn't been involved with Final Fantasy in quite a long time. Yep, but boy, does it look pretty. It's a little ro- low resolution, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it it looks good. Uh, I'm talking about the new Apple Arcade exclusive Fantasian. Mm-hmm. This is another instance, I'm going to say, off the bat, of, yeah, the game was made to use your finger because they want you to be able to, uh, but it runs better. Uh, it literally runs better if you play on an Apple TV, which I don't have anymore. Um, it'll run at 60 frames instead of 30, but it also is way better with a controller. <laughs> you... uh. Well, yeah. there's like there's a mechanic in the game where casting magic, uh, kind of like you you can bend. So it's a he uses the Final Fantasy X, um, linear line of character, like certain order of characters, right? Or like bravely default. Yeah, the, the kinda the uses active that. turn order. Uh, yeah, turn order, um, with like visible turn order, like Final Fantasy X, or like bravely default, or whatever. Where you know what who's moving next, so you can kind of like, oh, well, I'm just going to focus down those guys, right? Yeah, sure. And then I get to go again, because then my characters will be up, because those guys are dead. Um, which I really like. I'm glad to see it again. Apparently, he likes that system as well. Uh, I did not play his Xbox games, but I think those were in there, too. He's uh, also made a bunch of other phone games in between those. Oh, has he? I didn't know that look up the output of this studio Mistwalker. They've made a bunch of phone games. Okay. Uh so this is Apple exclusive like I said. But there's a mechanic in the game where your magicians are like I'm going to cast I don't even know the name of some some of the spells off the top of my head, but like you're going to cast, right? And you have to like if you want to attack more than one thing, you don't get to just select them or tap them or anything. You have to kind of like bend the the, there's a line that comes out from your character to the battlefield where the monsters are and you kind of have to like aim it aim the line and and if you have magic you can bend the line and like curve it like a curveball right Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have a controller you can use both analog sticks to kind of play with moving the line and bending the line at the same time and get a really accurate go of it I wanted to shout with my finger that it was not <laughs> bending the way that I wanted it to. But it is what it is. I don't know. I don't know what a, I don't know how you make a good game and a phone game. You know, like you gotta you gotta land on one direction or the other. I don't know. I don't know. I like the, yeah. it's good. I mean, it's a good game. Seems basic. To me so far, I only played a little bit. Uh, I'll probably go back to it in like a month. I still have a lot of time left on my Apple Arcade free. Uh, and I want to play a few other things, but it seems like it's it seems like it's going to be long. So I'll probably go back to it later. Uh, but those backgrounds is what you want to hear about. I'm sure. They you just look at it. Gosh, they look so good. Like it does look like a diorama that was physically there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they they photographed Dira for people that don't know this Fantasian game. He decided uh, Sakaguchi, I guess, decided uh we're going to photograph the backgrounds to create the levels that people are running on. And in certain instances, it looks really good. And in some instances, you're like I don't see oh, I guess I walk there. You know? Like there's yeah. a there's like a there's a sandy area early on. And I'm like, I can't really tell where the path is here to walk on, so I'm just gonna keep running this direction as I run along the edge of the level and it'll eventually push me the right way. Yeah. Um, you run into one of those uh the picture is pretty, but the it doesn't look like a video game level kind well, of thing, so it's hard sometimes- to delineate where you're supposed to go if it's not highlighted. I feel like sometimes they didn't take super, super high res photos and push them in. 
they just took normal res photos of the main thing and then pushed in on the normal res instead of retaking closer photos or like Ooh. or like taking 8k photos and then pushing into 4k and then pushing into you know it's, that's uh that's bad if that's the bad. case yeah it, but it only happens like in some areas and then like a uh, camera pan they do this like really it's kind of actually interesting to see how fluid it is on uh my phone the ipad we have is quite a bit older and it is not fluid and it kind of like chugs through the the transition my phone looks pretty good when it does it because it's like pan whip when you turn a little bit inside the model and they needed to move to a different camera angle um and so you'll pan whip and it'll all of a sudden be a little bit closer and you'll be like "Ooh, those trees are kind of rough and then it'll pan whip again and you'll be like oh that building is super crisp huh i'm very confused as to what happened is it is it the case that like some stuff looks out of focus maybe as opposed to low res it's not low res it's just not the focus of that picture and so it looks weird I'll have to go back and look. I'll have to go back and look. I don't... I'm not quite certain. I like the look of it. I'm just going to say, right? Because when I noticed it, it was on the iPad because it was bigger. But I'm playing it on my phone. So it looks like I'm playing on like a toy, like in a sandbox. Does it do that... um, What's the camera thing that makes things look like small toys when they're not? talking about tilt shift. Tilt shift is the thing I'm thinking of. Does it it do that? It does not... No, no, it's not like tilt shift. Okay. It looks like you're playing with like a model kit. Cool. So I think it's, I think it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, it's good that it's out there. I, I just wonder what happened with the, my, maybe it was my iPad, you know? I mean, that's an older iPad. Maybe they didn't load certain textures or something. I don't know. That iPad's getting older, so I wonder. I wonder. It's interesting. Well, I, don't I wonder. Yeah, I don't know I, either. That's a. As a, I would be curious to find out uh, if you have information on this and have played this game on your iOS device. Send it in to us. Podcast at weweregamers.com. Yeah, yeah, I would be very know. curious. If you have an Apple TV, a newer Apple TV, and have played this game, I would be very curious to hear from you. Please invite Andy over to your house. No, 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 no. COVID Not allowed. Hold thing. on. He'll look in through the window. Okay, yeah. If you if your TV is visible from the window, <laughs> I'll look from your window. No creeper. I have not finished the main story of this, obviously. But, Michael, you have finished the main story of something. Uh, yeah, so I finished my main story playthrough of Horizon Zero Dawn. And I am sad that Horizon Forbidden West is not out yet. <laughs> is it a is it a direct I see. Uh, it is, um, and actually, the the Forbidden West as a place gets a lot of mention in Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh. Did you did you do? Is there DLC included in this? Did you do that part also? There is DLC. It is included, and I have not done that yet. So that's up next. Do we know anything other than Forbidden West comes out this year? Um, not much beyond what's been shown in the trailers. Ah, am I going to be lending you my PS4 so you can play it? <laughs> um, Is that the type I'll, of ending we're talking I'll, about? I'll cross my I'll cross my fingers that it's that it's a simultaneous release this time around. Yeah, I uh, would go not, ahead and buddy. not not rest <laughs> my laurels on that one. I uh, believe it's yeah. coming out PS4, PS5. So potentially there's the chance that the PS4 version is not awesome. Oh, I don't know about that, but at least you could play it. It's not coming to Steam right away, that's for sure. Certainly yeah. that part is correct. <laughs> but I would I would bet solid money that a game that crosses generations, the older version doesn't play good. Huh. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. I mean virtually every game ever has too. followed this pattern, so comparatively it will probably not play as good but i'm sure it will still play fine on the the older console yeah i mean you know if you're okay with like 30 hopefully sometimes most of the time maybe yeah but you were okay with that when you were playing a ps4 anyway because it happened all the time <laughs> i 
I'm agreeing with you. Like, yeah. you know, God of War doesn't hit 30 that often. <laughs> yeah. I tried playing Warzone on the PS4 uh, to see if we could get better games by all being on a PS system because they're all uh, the people I play with are all on PlayStations. Uh, the smoothness with which a PC plays that game, despite the massive. Oh, I have news about this. The massive file size is no longer so massive. I don't know if you've heard about this yet. They uh, they finally sat an engineer in a room and locked the door and told him not to come out until he figured out what all the duplicate files were in the game. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and so uh, they removed m- many of those and relinked a lot of stuff. You had to re-download all the games if you wanted to, to update. So it was like a 50 gigabyte update for most people, maybe even more. But it so their cut. update to reduce file size requires you to download 50 gigabytes. I just want to put that sure. headline out there. Yeah. They didn't but fix it. They just the game, made you download more. The game was 80 gigabytes before that. It's fine, JJ. They fixed it in software. So you had to delete everything and download 50 gigabytes instead of the 80 gigabytes that you had. Yep. All right. A high-res PC game with, like, 4K textures and stuff being about 50 gigabytes is not that bad. No, it's not. And now but that it shares... approximate size of yeah. those games. Well, yeah. now that it shares uh, textures across games and stuff like that, the uh, installs of Modern Warfare and, other, and those are now much, much smaller, too. You know, my, uh, my hard drive is no longer in the red <laughs> at all times over here did they fix this problem on the the consoles as well though yes they did this on the consoles as well because the consoles i heard the situation was like completely ridiculous some of those like isn't the launch ps5 have a 500 gigabyte hard drive yep and could you theoretically take all of it you could one game well no with three three and a half games yeah okay i mean you have to realize it was three and a half games the problem is that like you have to install one of those three games to play any of the other ones. And that install was not sharing data with the other install. It was like, what are we doing here? Anyway, uh, that's the news on that. We don't need to keep talking about that. I want to know though about the horizon game. Yes. We got off track. No, no worries. Um, it's, it's really a really well done game. Um, so I, I think I set it up in an earlier episode, um, you know, how your character gets started um, and sent out on her journey. Um, but the the bigger storyline of the game is really her piecing together what happened to our world. Um, oh, really? And how, how basically how it led to the the world that she lives in now and then how specifically all that relates to her being recognized by the machines. Oh, is she a Princess Mononoke kind of character? Uh, not exactly. It's some kind of chosen one, though, going on here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she she becomes the like she at at first she is the the one chosen by her tribe to seek justice uh, for the attacks that were carried out on them. Ah. Uh. That's right. There was um, some then, sort of fight at the beginning of this where a bunch of people died. Right. Yeah. Her village gets attacked during a ceremony um, right, right. and a bunch of the villagers are killed. And so she gets um, essentially deputized by the holy women of the tribe, um, which and she needs their blessing to leave their sacred land in pursuit of the attackers. Oh. OK. Um, but it's good. Uh, the way that they set up the the sort of disaster of our own making that befell the human race um and then you know sort of slowly tease out the details of how the, of the solution that they came up with to try and stave off the disaster and how that went um Clearly and you know if, if well. you played yeah um it it things did not go according to plan <laughs> i mean based on the state of that world there's no way it went right. to plan. Things look bad. Um, but the you know the some of the some of the story beats. If you've played enough games, you can see coming. Um, but the story itself, like how they decided to to set up the 
the problem of what had happened and how it relates to the present um, is definitely interesting in its own right. So even if you even if you can sort of see coming a few of the beats, it's still it's still well, it's good storytelling still. Okay, yeah. Cool. I mean, it, if a story can keep me interested, even though I know what it's doing, it's a good story, right? Yeah, exactly. That's my opinion. I'm not tricked very often anymore. We consume collectively, all of us consume so much media that, like, I'm surprised when people are tricked by things. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, go ahead, Jay. Uh, I was going to say it's the curse of like following pop culture at some level. You know all the tropes, and then when they use the tropes again, because nothing is original, you always you just like I know what's happening here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've seen it. It's okay. I mean, that's just the way that things work. A lot of them just yeah. don't work other ways, or they shouldn't, right? Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I mean, the the hero's journey is the hero's journey, right? If, if you know, at some level. Did uh, it? So it left you wanting the next game. How badly? Um, so the, it does, it does end on one final scene that makes it very clear that it ain't over. Okay. On a scale of one to trails in the sky, first chapter, (laughs) how bad is the cliffhanger? (laughs) Ooh, it's, it is, it's not that level of, of cliffhanger. Um, but it's, it's definitely closer to it than not. Okay. It's it's not the kind of thing that makes you that makes you like scream at the computer, how could they leave me like this? But <laughs> which trails definitely, definitely is. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely like it definitely, you know, lands the hook. Nice. Cool. I still oh, yeah. I don't want to play that game. Yeah, you definitely should. Um I am very excited to dive into the DLC, um, and then I might give the uh, I might give New Game Plus a try on one of the harder difficulties. Oh, that's cool that they cool. did that. Yeah, yeah. So you can at any point in the um, once you complete the original storyline, you can take your loadout and create a New Game Plus seed file, hmm. and then use that to start a New Game Plus. So I could start a new game plus now that I finished, or I could go through the DLC, um, you know, improve my character a bit more, level up some more, and then restart into a new game plus. I'd be very curious with such a quote unquote cliffhanger, how they added DLC to that game that you want to play. So the DLC is a, it's a a new area of the map. Mm. It's got its own side story as far as I understand it. So new new machines for you to fight, new skills to learn. JJ, do you have well, new machines? On. Before no, before you go, Andrew. No, got to talk about this is related to Horizon. Very important. Uh, Andrew, if you want to play this game starting April nineteenth, twenty twenty one, it will be free on PS four for everyone. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's the game, the whole thing. The completed, the complete edition. So you also get the DLC. So that is that's better than the version that I got as a download code with that is currently on my PS4. <laughs> you might as well get the get the complete edition for free, also, yeah. and then you have the DLC too. Oh well, it's free. Why not? Right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are there digital monsters in your own head now, JJ? Man, that's like a deep question, dude. I know. <laughs> and like, I mean, if if you're talking about uh, the game that I'm going to talk about here, maybe the answer is yes. Uh, I played a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep playing it, but I've not gotten that far in it yet. Uh, I am playing Disco Elysium: The Final Cut. Yeah, you're the one that has already beaten Disco Elysium on this podcast. Everyone should play Disco Elysium. I think that game is great. I think the writing in it is awesome. And I think that the final cut has made it even more awesome. How did the writing translate to people actually saying things? Yeah. So that's the big change. There's actually voice acting uh, or well, not true. There was voice acting before, but there was only some with limited uh, parts of it. And now almost all of the internal monologues are, are voiced. 
So all of your uh, various parts of your thought cabinet, your various like parts of the the psyche that you you have are voiced. They are all voiced by the same person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. I thought it would use different uh, psyche people for, uh, yeah. You'd, huh. have, you'd have what, like, I forget how many there are, 20? Yeah. Something like that. Might be 20 different ones or 24 maybe. Uh, no, they did not do that. Uh, they're all voiced by the same person. But so far, at least, uh, it's a he. Uh, he puts on a different, you can tell that it, he's playing a different characters here, right? Okay. Uh, I again, I've only played it from like maybe twenty or thirty minutes. The person has a like very deep authoritative voice, <laughs> uh, which is great uh, for at least the early part of that game where uh, you have woke up in a drunken stupor, and the like parts of your body that are talking to you are like your limbic system and your your <laughs> liver. And you're, yeah, the, the part of your body, like you're trying to summon your coolness factor to grab your tie swinging around off of a fan and you either succeed in the role or fail. And, you know, you're, uh, I forget what the name of the term is, but it's basically like your, your ability to do cool, stylish things. Either that ability admonishes you for <laughs> sucking to grab the tie or calls you a, you know, Obviously, you're so cool, you would do something suave like grabbing the tie off the ceiling fan, you know, <laughs> in a stylish way. Um, it's very interesting. And now, you know, I, I, uh, they have said that every dialogue in the game is voiced now. So Every I, single I, one, huh? I guess. Wow. Yeah, I've only played it for like a little under an hour so far, so I can't confirm or deny that. But uh, things that are not voiced are like little... Uh, observations of like stuff you can see, right? If you're like walking around the room, a little you can click a little thing that will show you like, oh, uh, you see a like red stain on the ground or whatever. Like you can see the red stain there, but if you want to see the text that says there's a red stain on the ground, that part is not voiced because no one is saying that, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of the inner monologue stuff is voiced, and it's so. It, and my understanding also this game has come to consoles so people can play there with controllers. I don't know how the controller support works. I this game was very clearly built <laughs> with a mouse and a keyboard. I don't know how you would play it with a controller, but they must have figured something out. So I bet you it's one of those um it's like a snap to kind of thing, like those uh what are the possibly the um oh gosh, what am I thinking of? Like the Back to the Future Telltale game. Like, like an adventure game kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, or like an adventure-style game, and you just move the cursor and it'll snap to the next thing or something. I don't think there's a cursor, but yeah, it's very possible that like they don't, you know... Your your guy just won't like wander around aimlessly into corners or something, hopefully. I would hope. Well, um, I, hope. I mean, I think they've been, had a successful enough game here that they can uh, they can make it work. You know, it is. They have the income, probably. It is a ton of voice acting. There is so many words in this game. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I will say it is nice uh, because the first time when I played it, you kind of had to be in the right kind of mood because you have to read. a pay attention and read a bunch. And I will say this game does not mince with like deep philosophical discussions and like political texts and like big words. So, you know, it, you have to be in the mood to like pay attention and read that stuff. You can't just kind of like, you know, play a little bit in the background, but with voice acting, you can kind of sit back a little bit and let them read it to you. Nice. Uh, and you still got to pay attention if you want to like, you know, understand the themes and the, you know, catch everything that's going on. But the, the acting helps in that regard. So beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm more intrigued than ever. Uh, I, I believe, and I don't want people to not go out and buy this if they're interested in it, uh, especially if you... I think it actually, because of the voice acting, is on sale currently on Steam. I would believe that. It was a free update for people who already owned it, which was a nice bonus of them to not make it DLC. Yeah. 
definitely something feels like they could have done given how much sure changed. yeah absolutely why wouldn't they right like if they made this huge investment in the game yeah it um, is uh i'm on steam at the time of this recording it's 20 percent off right now so so i think hidden in, in the announcement that ea play is now on game pass um disco elysium might be coming to game pass it sounds like in the summer at some point Okay, cool. Yeah, if that's true, people should play it. It's ambiguous uh, whether or not they just said it's coming to Xbox, and that could be as a game that you pay for. Um, but it was part of a Game Pass series of announcements when they mentioned it, so it seems like it could be. I would say don't hold off if you're thinking about buying it, but it's possible if you're on the fence. Yeah, the I'm I'm googling here very quickly. Uh, You're not supposed to do Dis- research. <laughs> Disco Elysium: The Final Cut coming to Xbox Summer 2021. Yeah, it's a timed exclusive on PlayStation's now, and then Summer it will be on both. Yeah, doesn't mention Game Pass here, but Xbox does love their Game Pass. They love to they put do. anything that they can on there. Um, and like I said, it was part of uh, their conference where they're talking about EA Play finally going live. Uh, and a couple other things anyway so that's that um do you guys want to hear some news i don't know if it's a spoiler or not is news a spoiler it might be so today the day we are recording is april 5th 2021 we are negative 42 years from first contact. <laughs> uh, so Star Trek, because because Star Trek has uh, not been able to host their annual convention for, I believe, two years now, uh, they decided to make first contact day into a bigger thing. It's been traditionally kind of a community, you know, May the 4th kind of thing. And as you know, May the 4th got commercialized, thanks Disney. Uh, and so First Contact Day has now been co-opted to become an online sort of event. They had a bunch of actors. Uh, Patrick Stewart was doing a Q&A for a lot of the day, actually, uh, talking about the movie First Contact, talking about Picard, talking about a lot of stuff. Um, some news that came out of this. August 12th is when we get more Lower Decks, JJ. And Michael, I believe you also Ooh. watched Lower Decks. I I haven't started; it's uh, on my list. Oh, uh, August Lower Decks. Lower Decks is great. Twenty twenty two, Disco season four. Twenty twenty two, Strange New Worlds. Twenty twenty two, Picard. Twenty twenty two, Prodigy. What's Prodigy again? That's the uh, Nickelodeon Janeway show. Okay. Not sure I'm going to watch that one. but uh, I'm not sure I hear much of anything coming before August. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. Ouch. Also, there's a spoiler about a character returning for the next season of Picard if you want to hear it. I mean, it's not going to bother me if you tell me. But. Uh, they were doing some announcements and a character busted in on the teaser for the next season and said, the trial never ends, Picard. Well, I know exactly who that is then. Uh-huh. Voiced by uh, none other than John Delancey. I mean, if they had anyone else, I would literally flip over a table. <laughs> Is uh, is John Delancey uh, looking okay? He's quite a bit older than last we saw him, I think. I mean, he doesn't look any worse than Patrick Stewart does. Fair. I just haven't seen him in like, you know, 15 years or whatever, so I don't know what he's been up to. You know, I, I haven't seen him either, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I was reading a lot of the, the things. I think he looks all right. I mean, in terms of... I- I would imagine he's ready to act. I will tell you that I am 
irrationally way more excited for him to be on the show than anything they did in Picard season one. Uh, so he'll be on it along with, I guess, Whoopi Goldberg that was already announced was coming back. Yes. Uh, nice. So there's, I, there's a chance it, there's the, some interaction there. The further trials of Picard and humanity on trial as part of Q's thing is instantly a way more interesting uh, set for a, a show than what they did with all of Picard season one. So yeah, there you go. That's my Star Trek news for the day. That's good. Uh huh. There you go. That's it. We're done. Let's get out of wow. here. I got games to play. Cut, print, ship it. <laughs> oh hey, speaking of print, can I? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hijack you for a second. Uh, print is a cool word because I just got a new printer. Do you have you guys heard of a tank printer? No, no. In what? So uh, you know everything has a cartridge, right? You know if it's an inkjet printer, it's got a cartridge, just like laser, inkjet, a whole bunch of different options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, inkjets use cartridges. People are really upset because cartridges, you know, create a sh- a ton of waste. <laughs> And they're very, very expensive. Like, who cares about the waste? Like, if it was, you know, recyclable or refillable, that's fine. But, Uh, yeah, they're They're expensive. And they charge, like, $40 for a single cartridge. Right. It's ridiculous. Uh, So laser printers were the, if you work in an office, you have one of those because they're extremely cheap. Uh, This tank printer is an inkjet printer. You put in these faux cartridges... And then from the front of the printer, you fill up tanks of ink that then feed the cartridges all the time. Okay. I've seen they're they're running TV ads for these right now. Yes. Yes, I have seen one. I got one. Okay. uh, Is the ink that you fill cost less than oil, which was the problem with the old ones? (laughs) The uh, price per page came down to pennies. Very, like, very, 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 very low. Okay, I mean, but that is also, like, the problem is that you can print a ton of pages on these cartridges already, right? Like, how much does a bottle of this ink cost? It's a good question. I don't know. It came with a lot of ink. Uh, I haven't right. purchased. Let me see. I mean, I'll... Because that's the, that's the tipping point here, right, is, like... Because the idea is like, oh, you can refill this thing. You're not creating more waste with these cartridges all the time. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at... I'm trying to find the name brand. I don't know if I can find the name brand. Everyone's got off-brand stuff here. Uh-oh. Okay, here. One bottle... One bottle of ink looks like it's like 12 bucks. And this bottle is what? Well, they need eight f- ounces, twenty ounces. Uh, no, they're smaller than that. They're they're much smaller than that, but they're much bigger than the cartridges were. Okay, you can get way more pages, and uh, you know, ink jets are really a lot better for f- printing photos than a laser printer. Absolutely, yes, um, yeah. And uh, I thought about going printerless, but the kid keeps needing stuff printed out for school. So, uh, I lived my life printerless for many years and then I married a teacher and we have a printer all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. That. Yep. Okay. I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, Reddit has a 2019 comparison, I guess. I don't know. It seems like, uh, the cost was very low considering consumer reports okay. was very happy with the cost. All right, that's good. I mean, Consumer Reports is usually pretty good, so I'm willing to trust that. I'm willing, I just like the. I'm I just wonder that, like, are they are they still getting you on the other end on the ink? It's just that it takes longer for them to get you. Oh, I'm sure, right? Like, I'm sure somewhere the math works in their favor. It has to. Yeah, but but I mean, but, maybe you know the, what? It's maybe the knockoff ink then is ninety eight percent as good and so six dollars cheaper. This is right? what I was just about to say. Uh, it's 98% as good. And I'm looking at like knockoff ink of what I just found. And it's like, 
a third the cost. And you know what you can't do is you can't put little chips in the ink bottle that tell the right. printer not to use the ink. Right, which Unlike, is definitely something they do with the cartridges. Right, the yep. cartridges, they, they make them not work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's my printer minute. That's good. If you know more about ink, ink tank printers than I do, which probably you do, where would you go? Uh, you could send that to podcast at weweregamers.com, which we mentioned before is our email address. You can send us uh, whatever you want there. It's uh, an email. We use it. Please send us stuff. You can also find this show on podcast apps and stores and whatever they are. Um, you know, I mean, it's free, so you shouldn't pay for it. But if you wanted to pay us money, podcast at We Were Gamers again, please. Yeah. Look there. I'll take um, it. And we're on social media. You can find us at We Were Gamers on everything. And uh, search for We Were Gamers, all one word, on YouTube. And subscribe to us there. That would really help us out. What's your forte, you guys? I'm a sword guy. Blaseball. Oh, we didn't even talk about Blaseball 2. There's not that much to talk about yet, though. There's not.